0: Thank you for tuning in on our Restoration Life podcast. We're excited for what God is doing here. So we hope you enjoy this message. I'm, I'm like hanging, preaching, and then I see Germany in the house. Right? So we have Pastor Stephen Scherling all the way from Rottweil, Spendingburg, Germany, in the house. Come on, let's welcome him up real quick. <laughs> A big son in the faith. Can
1: you just share with everybody what God's doing? Hey, good morning, church. (laughs) I bet you thought I will will not make it. But with these legs, no problem at all. (laughs) I'm so glad to be with you. Um, I I guess many of you know me because I was here um, the third time or fourth time already in this church. And it's so good to be back home. It's so good to be back here. I, I, take, I take a minute and give report about Germany. Uh, I was born into a nation, into a generation which is very, very far from Christ. Uh, most, almost everyone in my town, in my school are completely atheists. We have less than 1% of Christians. And the problem is, it is, also, it was inside me, it was inside us from childhood. When we got the dream to plant a pioneer first church, I was 15 years old, we started to preach on the street. But I'm honest with you, everyone around us told us it's impossible. And they were true, because around us, 99% said, it's impossible, no one wants to go to church, no one will give his life to Jesus, no one will be saved. But uh, do we have psychologists here in the room? Yeah, I would be surprised if they're like, woohoo! (laughs) <laughs> Psychologists don't do that. <laughs> They're like, yes, but I don't tell her. You. What's your plan? There's a golden law in psychology. It says no matter how smart you are, no matter how educated you are, you cannot therapy yourself. That's the golden law. Um, even if you have three or five PhD, you cannot therapy yourself. That's impossible. Everyone knows this. Every, every doctor, every psychologist. And you know, I was like, I got a genius idea from God when I was younger, it says, if it's in me, I cannot bring up my own faith. I need to stick with people who bring this faith and the dream into my life from extern. And I don't know what, uh, if you ever had lunch or dinner with people like Pastor Eddie and Roxanne Vargas. <laughs> Fact one, you are full. <laughs> and a second, you are full. <laughs> and guys, I tell you, I love. Pastor Eddie and Roxanne, they're my mentors, and I love always to talk to him, to phone to him, and he put so much faith and always said, no, it is possible, it is possible, it is possible. And after 14 years of ministry, we could pioneer our sixth church in Germany. And uh, I know we have, oh, thank you, Jesus. I know we have this big club of emos in Europe still. But (laughs) who says it's impossible? you cannot open a church. Guess what, Emos? Look at this cross. There's where the power comes from. And I'm so thankful. If you don't have this faith and these dreams, invite Pastor Adrian Roxanne for a dinner. Let people speak in your life. (laughs) These people have faith. And this is what we needed. And um, today we preach every year in more than 25 countries in Europe the gospel which is a great miracle. But you know why I came here, why I'm here at this church? Because I still don't believe in my faith and my power. I still hang to my pastors, my mentors, and let them speak in my life, because this is what we need, that people speak externally, faith into our soul, into our heart. That's actually also why Jesus went to John the Baptist and let John the Baptist say Him, who Jesus is. And if you don't have someone and you think, where's my faith? Let someone speak in your life. Amen? Amen. And I tell you what, I believe, I know it sounds impossible. I know it seems impossible. And I, don't, I know we don't see it right now. I believe that this generation in Europe, my generation will be saved. I believe that there will be a great revival in Europe. I believe it, 100%. And even if there's a big emo clap right now, there's a cross in our life. And it says it is possible. Amen. Thank you, church.
0: He just surprises today. Today's full of surprises. Today's so full of surprise. We're so proud of Pastor Stephen and the family there and what God's doing in them and through them. They have a tremendous work. God's doing some even more miracles from what he was telling me in the back today. And so it's always good to have them. Roxanne calls them our German sons, right? Our German sons are home. And so it's good to have you home, son. And uh, today um, I have actually another very, very special guest with us today. Um, Over... July 2002, um, my wife and I were youth pastors and we were released um, back into my hometown, Redondo Beach, to go start a brand new church. And um, back then when we were released, you know, we, we lived in Hawthorne and we were trying to get into Redondo Beach. And for whatever reason, uh, we couldn't find a place, we couldn't get into a place that um, that, we could, that, that we could hold church. And so we started church In a small two-bedroom apartment on Renge and Matthew's behind what used to be Albertsons, which used to be Lucky's before that. And uh, so we started in a small two-bedroom apartment, and we just started reaching the community and just telling them about Jesus and loving on them um, and and sharing the gospel with them. And all of a sudden, we started to see people from the community come into this little home Bible study, Life Groups, right? How many go to Life Group, right? Life Groups are awesome. And uh, we started in that small... A two-bedroom apartment and then it just kind of grew out of that and then we were looking for a place to call home because we didn't we couldn't fit in this little two-bedroom apartment anymore and I I went to a meeting where some guys were coming together Um, they were all white guys in flip-flop shorts and Hawaiian shirts and um, I I walked in there with my um, transmission uniform so I was a transmission mechanic back then and I had you know dark blue dickies and a white shirt that said Amco And uh, one of the guys um, that they were having this prayer circle there, one of the guys looked at me and he he looked at me and he said, are you bi? I'm like, no, I'm straight, homie. What's going on here? (laughs) And I didn't know the language, but no, are you bi-vocational? And I was like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. And (laughs) true story. And he said, and he said to me, he looked at me, and he said, I want to talk to you. And he just loved on me and Roxanne and what God wanted to do there almost 18 years ago now. And um, he just started building a relationship with me, started reaching out to me. I didn't know him from Adam, but he just showed me what true Christianity looks like. He loved on me. Uh, He opened doors for me. In fact, um, he's the founding pastor of Kings Harbor Church in Torrance. Uh, His name is Pastor Chris Cannon, and today I want to honor you. I want to honor you. Thank you. Shannon, if you're at home and you're watching, we honor you too. We know that the wives pay a tremendous price uh, to release their husbands into ministry. So we honor you and we bless you and we do hope you feel much, much better. Uh, but Pastor Chris allowed us to come into a building that used to be their building. And uh, we were able uh, to build there and serve there um, for, for almost seven years and then was uh, instrumental in our transition from uh, Redondo um, to the beautiful city of Lawndale. And uh, man, Pastor Chris, thank you so much. We honor you. We love you. Um, your, Your ministry and your love and your grace is resonating through the South Bay for generations to come. And we're a testimony of fruit that's come from you. So thank you. Thank you. In fact... Would you come and just maybe pray over this service before I preach? Would you do that? Would you just honor us with that? Come on. Can we just welcome Pastor Chris Cannon? I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. It would be my last service. That would be that. Yeah, so. Let's let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for the work of your spirit. We're so grateful for what's already transpired in the service this morning. And Father, we pray that you would Fill this room as you already have with your presence. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to hear and see and take out of this building and into the South Bay to bring heaven to earth in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Man, that's a general of faith right there. All right, if you have your Bibles, we got 10 minutes. If you have your Bibles, I've said that before and I lied. Uh, <laughs> You know where liars go, right? Restoration life. Okay, so open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 10, and uh, or click on your app, whatever you have on this morning. Uh, I've entitled this message, Focused Faith. And um, I, I think that you would think that we talk a lot about faith in the church, but we don't necessarily talk about it as much as we should. And uh, this is a really interesting story. This is a really... A phenomenal story when you study it out. It's a story of a man that's been on the sidelines of life. It's a story of someone um, at this period of time in their life that, based on their culture and based on his circumstance, didn't carry a high value. In fact, when Roxanne was preaching, I was like, go girl, get it. Just stay up there, preach. Go, go after it, because you're, you're telling it like it is. And, and here's this guy by the name of Bartimaeus... And uh, he's a blind man, he's a man that's been um, blind since birth, and, and in that culture and in that time, in this season, um, people that are crippled in this fashion don't carry a whole lot of worth in society. And here's Bartimaeus, a blind man, who is sitting on the sidelines of life, just literally not watching, but hearing everyone pass them by, hearing other people getting blessed, hearing other people en route to favor, hearing other people en route um, to blessing and career and family and marriage, and didn't you hear so-and-so had a baby, and didn't you hear so-and-so got blessed, and didn't you hear, this is a man whose hearing was dialed in because he didn't have sight, and so here's a man in this story who's literally on the sidelines of life where he possibly, he should have probably, if it would have been me, would have felt like man, life is just passing me by. And I find this story so captivating because it represents an individual who is seemingly pushed aside by life's circumstance, who is seemingly pushed aside by an experience that is of no fault of their own, who had been passed by there on the side of the road many different times, by many different tribes, by many different people, possibly by many different Pharisees and religious people, by by dignitaries and so on. And, 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 And maybe you're here this morning and maybe at some point in your life you felt like maybe you've had somewhat of the same experience. You might be here this morning and you find yourself feeling like, man, there are some opportunities that have passed me by. Like life doesn't seem to be as fair to me as it has been to somebody else. I mean, I've had relationships pass me by. I've had friendships pass me by. Or maybe you just feel like, you know what, I'm kind of damaged goods. Have you ever felt like you're just damaged goods? Have you ever felt like because of the things that you experienced in your life that people view you as damaged? Because this is blind Bartimaeus' problem. Society views him as damaged because he's a cripple. And maybe for you, maybe you've gone through some things in your life, you've gone through some addictions, you've gone through some alcoholism, maybe you've gone through a divorce, maybe you've gone through an abortion, maybe you've gone through a heartbreaking family, maybe you've gone through some stuff, maybe you're a widow or a widow or whatever it may be and you've experienced these hardships in life and it almost feels like I'm damaged goods. I feel like this is about as good as life can get for me. Maybe... Maybe I lost it all. Maybe, maybe I've had to file bankruptcy, you know, multiple times. I lost my house. I lost my job. I can't seem to hold down a job. I'm damaged goods. I can't seem to get my head on straight. I can't seem to get this thing right with my marriage. I'm damaged goods. I feel like every time I, I, I step up and take three steps forward, I take ten steps back. I feel like maybe I'm damaged goods. Maybe something's wrong with me, and so maybe you're here this morning, you feel like you've been on the sidelines of life with business and relationship and career, and you've seen other people, and maybe you've even heard of other people. Do you know how good so and so is doing? And you hear that and you're happy for them, but then internally you're going, God, what about me? What about my life? What about my marriage? What about my kids? What about my grandchildren? What about my hair loss, Father? Why? Why Why the salt and pepper? You know, why so soon? God, why is everybody else buying a house but me? Why is everybody else moving to Texas but me? Why, why me? And so here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that today you'll hear from God's living word a truth about you that will focus your faith on the author and finisher of your faith. That you would remove the focus of inadequacy in your life so that you could see the sufficiency of God's grace over your life. And I believe that you're actually right now exactly where God wants you to be. Because I believe that God wants to do something amazing in you and through you, but you got to start focusing your faith on Jesus and stop focusing your faith and your voice on doubt. Is anybody with me? I believe that today that you're actually going to experience something that is heaven sent because how many know the word of God is directly inspired from the throne room of heaven? And if we can adhere and be not only hearers of God's word but doers of God's word, you'll see your circumstance change because some of your circumstance doesn't have anything to do with God. It has everything to do with you being obedient to God. Are you hearing me? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 puts it this way. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything in every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. And so here's Jesus. He's on the road to Jerusalem. From Jericho to Jerusalem. And the reason why that he was headed to Jerusalem is because he was there on mission to celebrate the Passover with his team. We know this celebration or this last dinner as the Last Supper. So he's sitting there with his team, with his disciples at the Last Supper getting ready for the next chapter of his mission and that is to go to the cross of Calvary. In just a moment... He's going to get, he's gonna get um, betrayed by Judas. And after this dinner with his team, we know that Jesus would be arrested, that this last Passover meal will forever go down in history. Um, and in this dinner, um, Jesus says some pretty powerful things, some things that we celebrate today. But we know that he'll be falsely accused, falsely arrested, falsely beaten, and ultimately crucified for the whosoever's in this world. Any whosoever's in the house today. Come on. Any whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Right? Because God died for whosoever believeth in him. Right? Jesus was on mission, but for just a moment, before all of that happened, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and the crowds are following him. We know this because Jesus was followed a lot by a lot of people, but just because you follow Jesus, Jesus does not make you a disciple of Jesus. Because there were a lot of people that followed him and wanted to see the miracles. There were a lot of people that followed him and wanted to hear the preaching and the teaching. There were a lot of people that probably followed him and were looking for a handout, you know, some fish and some bread. There might have been other people that were following him because they needed a miracle for him, and that's cool. But Jesus didn't just call us to follow him. Jesus called us to be disciples of him. And so Jesus is being followed by all these people because he's on mission. And then in in this direction that he's heading in, he steps aside for one moment, for one life that's struggling because he hears not just a shout, but faith come from the crowd. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. This is what the New Living Translation reads. It says, Then they reached Jericho... And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now I find this pretty interesting, actually extremely fascinating, because many a times throughout the course of history, whenever they want to document someone's life, unless they were unless that person was of serious value to the one that was writing, they would only document them or label them with. What they carried on them. So if they were a leper, they were regarded as a leper. If they were uh, a blind person, they would just be the blind person. Or the woman with the issue of blood. But for whatever reason, Mark decides that he's going to not only document that he's blind, but also that he has a name. And his name is Bartimaeus. Now Bart literally means son of, and Timaeus is, is the name that he's carrying. So son of Timaeus. So Bartimaeus is the son of a man by the name of Timaeus whose name in the Greek translated to the English literally means worthy of honor. Now catch this. So we'll just call him Bart for now. Is that cool? So Bart, he's carrying his father's name and his father's name literally means worthy of honor. And yet he's living in a dishonorable fashion. He's a beggar. He's a blind man. He cannot fend for himself, so his job day in and day out is gonna be to sit beside the road and hope that somebody would be gracious enough to deposit some shekels into his hands so that he, or denarii, so that he can live. And so if you were a beggar, or if you were blind, or if you were lame, or if you were a leper, that's the way that you were known in the story. But they documented son of Timaeus, a man worthy of honor. And I find it pretty fascinating because maybe maybe his parents believed as we all believe. We, we, don't, we don't name our children when they're born as something that, that 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 defines a beggar or an addict or somebody with a psychological problem or some a widow or a divorcee. Or we don't we don't label people that way. When they label them or when they give them names in the Bible, their names carry something that's going to carry them into their future. That's what their name represents. That's what they're going to do. So that's the very reason I called my son Christian. So whenever he got on in trouble, I was like, act like your name, kid, okay? Because act your name, <laughs> right? Because I believe that when he grew up, he's going to be a man of God. And I declared that from birth, that he was going to be a man of God. So, but here's the parents. They call him Timaeus or, or Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, man worthy of honor. And yet when he's born, they're probably broken-hearted when they find out He's blind. They're probably brokenhearted when they find out that he really doesn't have a future ahead of him. And because he was born blind in that culture at that time, he would be declared as damaged goods. He's never going to fully become what they intended or hoped he'd be. And so in that culture, he's a disappointment. Here's the life apply. I wonder if any of you have ever felt like a disappointment to your family. I wonder if any of you have ever felt like a disappointment to your boss. I wonder if any of you have ever felt like a disappointment to your family, to your spouse, maybe to your mom and dad, or even maybe to your children as a parent. I don't know about you, but there are times that I have felt like I've disappointed my children, like I could be a better parent, I could be a better grandparent. I, I feel like that there, there may have been times that I've been a disappointment, you know, to other people that I love and I care about as a pastor or as a friend. And I feel that at times, we all deal with disappointing times in our life. Can anybody agree with me on that? Has anybody ever felt like a disappointment? I, I remember when I was 15 years old. I got my first tattoo. And uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember sitting down with my grandfather. Now, my, my relationship with my dad wasn't the greatest, but my relationship with my granddad, my grandfather was amazing. And I remember I had just gotten it tattooed, and I sat down to have breakfast, and, and all of a sudden... You know, he walks over to me and he looks down at my arm and he's like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's, 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 it's a tattoo. And he's like, why would you do that? And I was like, because oh, it's cool. <laughs> and I wanted it. And he says, you know, back in Colombia, only people involved in the cartel get tattoos. He's only criminals carry tattoos. Are you a criminal? And I was like, well, No. <laughs> And, and I felt in that moment, like he didn't have to say anything else. He just went back to cooking. And I felt like such a disappointment to my grandfather. In that instant, I felt like, like I just, I shrank in, 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 in what I wanted to express as an image to him. Like I disappointed my granddad. And I didn't want to be a disappointed. Man. I mean, I know what it's like to disappoint my family. I know what it's like to disappoint friends. But in that moment, there was something unique about disappointing my grandfather. He's done nothing but love me, encourage me. Uh, he cut my hair all the time. I mean, I just love my grandfather. And I was a disappointment. Have you ever felt like in that, that same thing? Like, oh, I messed up. Right? You might be here this morning, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes you feel like a disappointment to one of your parents. Like, like... I know a lot of our parents, they have a lot of high hopes for us. One day you're going to be an astronaut. (laughs) One day you're going to be a doctor. One day you're going to be this. One day you're going to be that. And they start to label us from childhood. It's almost as if we don't carry some initials in front of our name, we're going to be a disappointment. Like Mr. or Mrs. Like D-A-D or M-O-M. Like, if we're not married by now, we're a disappointment to our family. Like, like that's a real thing. Like, people actually feel that because of what their family. You should be married by now. What's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I'm waiting for the right man or woman of God. I've seen people make mistakes, and I don't want to live through those mistakes. Come on. Like, like, like if you don't have... This PhD in front of your name, if you don't have this bachelor's degree, then then your life really, if you don't have this diploma or this, act, whatever, you know, it's like, it's it's easy to disappoint people in this age. And you might be here this morning and maybe you feel like your life has been somewhat of a disappointment to family, to friends, but I need you to hear this this morning because if you're not careful, you will struggle with the value that God has for your life. And if you're not careful, you allow other people to put value on you. And then you begin to devalue yourself because of how other people's perspective is on your life. And then the struggle with labels begin to appear. And it's not really because anyone labeled you, now you're labeling you. I'm not good enough to do that for God. I'm not good enough for her. I'm not good enough for him. I can never do anything for Jesus. And now your identity is wrapped up in the label. In the title. You hear me? Then what we do is we begin to look for value in other places. We, we look to add value to us by getting a bigger hourly wage. We look to add value to us to getting a nicer house or a better car or to dress differently or wear different gear and so that other people can see value in us. And I want you to hear this morning because value is a very interesting thing. And the only thing that we can really actually find true value in is what Jesus says about our lives. I would say to you this morning, your value, doesn't, it, your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. It doesn't decrease just because they don't see your value. It doesn't decrease just because they don't see your worth. I would say to you, never waste your feelings on people who will not honor your value. I would say to you, when you start knowing what you're worth to God, you'll stop giving the devil some discounts on what he could say about you. Because the reality is this, you are so valuable that God loved you so much that he was willing to leave heaven, come in the form of a man, die on a cross, and crucify your sin to it so that you could have eternal and everlasting life with him. He values you. He loves you. He loves you so much. Forget about what everybody else says. Focus on what God says. You see, too many of us value what we're not and undervalue what we are. Romans 5 puts it this way. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And so while you were all jacked up, while you were all messed up, while you were all beat up, while you were all tore up, while you were all doing all the things that you're not supposed to be doing, God saw you and says, they're mine. They have value. I'm going to give my life so that they can have eternal life with me. You have value. Never allow the world or economics or even family devalue who you are in Christ Jesus. I want to look at a couple truths about faith found in this story about little Bartimaeus here. Because if we're not careful, we can find ourselves being silent when God wants us to shout. Listen, first point, easy point. Faith believes even when you can't see. Faith believes even when you can't see. Mark chapter 10 verse 47 reads this. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, everybody say shout. Now, you're in a spirit filled church, so when I say shout, we shout. Come on, shout. There we go. All right. So he began to shout Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. Now, Bartimaeus wasn't only, or Bart wasn't only blind, but he was a beggar. And every day he stood on the side of the road looking for a handout. He couldn't see. But as with many blind people, he probably had an amazing sense of hearing. He could hear things. He, could, he probably heard the crowd that was following Jesus. He probably heard them talking. This is the Messiah. This is the son of David. This is the miracle healer. This is the one that does signs and wonders. He, he, he raises the dead. He heals the sick. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And something inside of him could no longer stay silent on the side of the road. Something inside of him couldn't stay within him. It was like a fire that was shut up in his bones. There was something inside of him that said, this is my moment. This is my opportunity. This is my last chance. I need to reach Jesus. I can't see Jesus, but I can hear Jesus. Did you hear that? He probably turned to somebody and said, hey, what's going on? Hey, Jesus is coming through. He's passing by. And even though Bart couldn't see Jesus based on what he had heard in that moment, he believed. Because Bart believed before he saw any proof. So what is faith? And how does it come from hearing? Because I think God wants to increase some people's faith here this morning. And I think that even though you come to church... It may have just become habit-forming for you now. Sunday going to church is what you do now. Coming to church and serving in ministry is kind of what you do now. You don't necessarily need a whole lot of faith for it because you've already believed. You've already got it in your heart. You know that you're going to heaven. So it's something that just becomes a part of your lifestyle. But I want you to know that God wants to do more in you than you want to do in you. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself for settling because I'm good, I go to church, I'm kumbaya, we're happy-go-lucky, everybody's hunky-dory, I'm serving, I'm loving, I'm a leader, God's good, life is good, work is good, wife is good, hallelujah. (laughs) And then you settle there. But as you've heard testimonies like, Pastor Stevens, God's got a lot more planned for your future Come on. God wants to do above and beyond more than anything you can fathom. And if you're not careful, you're not living by faith, you're living by habit. And without faith, it's impossible to please the Father. Because the Father is pleased by faith. So I guess the question you've got to ask yourself, does my faith please God? Does my faith please God? Because a lot of people, I know a lot of people that come to church, but they're not living by faith. They're living by proof. It's in the metrics. It's in the numbers. It's, it's, it's what makes sense. It's the sustainability of my lifestyle. But God doesn't care about your metrics or your numbers. That's why he teaches us how to tithe. So he shows you that you're not in control, he is. Are you hearing me? Because if you're not careful Christian, you can become a religious Christian, even at Restoration Life. And you could settle for what is instead of what could be. And so the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 one says this, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Faith in God means believing and trusting in our greatest hope. That God became a man, lived the perfect life, died a perfect sacrifice for your sins, and rose again to glory, so that you can, you and I, could have eternal life by the transforming power of God's Holy Spirit. That is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And this way, the writer talks about faith in God. Faith is knowing that God is real and that you can trust in God's promises. But you can't trust someone who isn't there, nor can you rely on someone. Whose promises are not reliable? That is why faith is talked about as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Both words carry a sense of reality. It's like you've got to get this in you, because if you have to see it to believe it, you're in trouble. If I were to say, "I'm going to prove to you right now that God is real," right now I'm going to pray for Pastor Mitch. And what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to ask God to levitate him like Circus Olay. He's going to do three flips in the air, and he's going to come down very graciously back to his pew without a hair on his head being messed up. We're going to believe that right now together at church. Watch. It's going to happen. Ready? Anybody ready? Who believes? None of you believe that. But what if I was able to pray and that did happen? What if he did start twirling like Circus Soleil and do all that stuff? Then you were like, oh my gosh, I believe. I need to tell somebody about Jesus. Then you would go out and tell everybody, and you think we got parking problems now. Wait until they hear that Pastor Mitch was Mr. Circus Soleil last Sunday. And then you bring all your family and friends and your co-workers because you're like, oh my gosh. You have to come on Sunday. God's moving. God's real. I've seen it with my own eyes. That's not faith. You saw that. We believe in God in the same manner without having to see it. And we believe that we should be telling everybody about Jesus... Just as if you saw him floating up and doing the whole Circus Soleil thing. Because we serve a real God that died on a real cross that rose again from a real grave and is alive today sitting at the right hand of the Father for a real people that he valued and he loved. He says, I got a plan, I got a purpose, and I got a destiny for your life. But why is it that we don't go out like that? I believe. Because you've allowed doubt to shout you down. You've allowed other people's faithlessness in God to shout you down. You might have even allowed somebody who's seen you on the sideline your whole life say, hey, keep down. You don't have to get so excited about God. You don't have to get so excited about Jesus. You don't have to post on social media and Facebook every day. You don't have to put up the quotes. You don't have to read me scripture. You don't have to read your Bible during your break. You don't have to pray for your food. Hey, calm that faith down. And we listen to that. We listen to those voices. I'm out of time. Worship team, come up. <laughs> but I love what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, for we live by faith, not by what we see with our own eyes. And so here's my second point, and I'm going to close with this second point, but I need to drive this home to you today. Your faith has to resist any obstacle that stands in the way of you and Jesus. Any obstacle. It has to be removed. Any barrier. Mark 10, 48, he says this. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much disturbance. These are the people in your life that want you to hush down. Hush your faith down. (laughs) Don't be so loud at work. Don't be so loud. You don't have to be all Christian at work. This is not the place for that. I can't help but shine wherever I am. Come on. I can't help but carry the joy of the Lord wherever I am. I can't help but thank God for where I am. Come on. You can't shout me down, man. Right? So those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making such a disturbance, so much of a disturbance, but he kept on shouting with all his might, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now heal me. So when Bart cried out to Jesus, the people surrounding him didn't say, hey, Bart, good for you. Right on, Bart. Go get yours. They tried to extinguish his faith and his shout and his voice was trying to reach God. The very manifestation of God in that moment. Because we know that the word of God became flesh. And you'll find out that when you get to a desperate place in life, as a believer, as a Christian, as a disciple, you'll find out that there are gonna be people that wanna surround you with doubt that have these faith extinguishers that they carry. Because the moment you start to say, my marriage is gonna be healed, they're like, nah, he's never gonna change. The moment you start saying, no, my kids are gonna be saved, they're like, ah, not They're addicts, label start to extinguish your faith in Jesus. But I love Bart, right? Bart is on the sidelines. He can't see. And the reality is he doesn't have to see with his own eyes. Because his faith in who he heard was coming was enough for him to shout and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I wonder if there's anybody in this church this morning that needs to shout on what's been crippling their marriage. That needs to shout unto God for what's been hurting their family. That needs to shout unto God because their faith has been diminished by what's been happening in their life. When these people tried to hinder Bart, what did Bart do? He resisted using his breath on them and he took it all in and he projected his faith and he shouted unto God. Right? In verse 48, the word translated, he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. When they said, hey, stop it. Relax. Chill out. He's on his way. He's, he's got to go to the Last Supper. The Bible says that he shouted all the more. From the Greek, that Greek word is the word chasm. Translated to the English is Crazy. So what Bart did is when they told him, hey, don't be so loud. He said, I'm gonna get even crazier. I'm gonna get even louder. Some Christians gotta get a little cray cray in their faith. Come on, some Christians in this room gotta get a little bit louder in their faith because this is what Bart did, right? Because if the enemy can keep you crippled in life, if the enemy can keep you feeling like your life doesn't matter, if the enemy can keep, can keep you from your purpose, he can keep you blind blind to everything that God wants to do. God, blind to everything that God wants you to see. And here's Bart, he's like, nope, I'm not gonna let you shout me down. I need a healing, so I'm gonna raise my voice. I need deliverance, because I'm gonna raise my voice. I've been sitting on the sidelines of life far too long. I'm gonna raise my voice, and I'm gonna raise my voice to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, to the author and the finisher of my faith and I'm gonna say Jesus, Son of David, I need you to transform me. I need you to heal me. I need you to restore me. And then something took place in that moment. It caught the attention of Almighty God Himself. Don't think that your faith can't get loud. Am I talking to anybody in this room? Don't think that that it's, it's okay not to allow that faith to come out of you. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I don't care what anybody says about me. The only one that I care about is what he thinks about me and what he says about me. And so if I have to lift my voice spiritually, if I have to lift my voice in faith, if I have to lift my voice to Jesus and cry out to God, then that's what I'm going to do. You can't can't extinguish somebody's faith who's willing to become undignified in front of everybody else. King David, they lost the Ark. The Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It represented the Word of God. It represented the mercy of God. It represented the power of God. He went back and he got the Ark of the Covenant. He brought it back into Jerusalem and he started dancing and worshiping with his life. And his wife, Michael, was watching him from her window. And she was watching her husband her husband become undignified. She's like, what kind of king dances in front of his people? What kind of king does this? What kind of king does that? And he caught wind of it. And he's like, what's your problem, woman? She's like, what's wrong with you? What's matter with you? That's not how you worship. You're a king, you're not supposed to live that way. You're not supposed to do those things and then something inside of King David got a little bit fired up. I wonder I wonder if there's anybody here that has had too many people tell you what you can't and what you can do in God's kingdom. I wonder if there's anybody here that's heard the whisper of the enemy say that you'll never be good enough. You'll never be worthy. You'll never be valued. But I'm here to tell you that God wants this faith to rise up in you and make a shout unto the Lord because David looks at Michael and says, Hey, listen, you thought that was worship? Watch this strips off all his clothes. He's walking in his spiritual tarantarans through Jerusalem, right? And he's worshiping God and he's getting yet more vile. He's getting yet more undignified. Why? Because I didn't care what anybody says. He only cares what God says and what God sees. Wait a minute. You want me to shut up? But we have the presence of God with us now. Wait a minute. You want me to be quiet? I, I see the mercy of God working. Wait a minute. You don't want me to worship? But the power of God is at work in this place. Come on. You want me to stay quiet about that? You want me to refrain from being loud? I'm sorry. I was born on the day that my Jesus set me free. And my faith can help but shout out the goodness of God. I wonder if there's anybody in this place right now that's willing to get a little bit cray-cray in their faith. That's willing to say, you know what, God? Here I am. Use me. I know you see value in me because you call me a masterpiece. I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that I'm created in your image. God, here I am. Jesus, I've been standing on the sidelines of life far too long. Save me. Set me free. Use me. I want to be able to see. I want to be able to work. I want to be able to love. I want to be able to care. I want to be able to worship you the way that you created me to worship you. Am I talking to anybody in this place this morning? The Bible says in Psalms 98 and 4, it says, it says, so go ahead, everybody. Shout your praise to God. Shout it with the praise of joy. Break out of the box and let loose with the most joyous sound of praise.